Disclaimer. This episode may contain language in adult situations not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. <sighs> this episode also contains spoilers for our Mystery April Fool series. Please be aware of this as you listen, I guess. Opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Ugh, and boy howdy, are we gonna have to take some mulligans on this one. <sighs> Look, friends, this would be the part where I warn you to turn back while you still can. But let's be real, I just had to watch a dumpster fire and slave over a hot podcast mic. So you're gonna listen to this and you're gonna be grateful. And with that, please sit back and enjoy... Dub Talk 232. I can. <sighs> Hello, listeners, and welcome to a new episode of Dub Talk. Yay. I guess. Yay. A show where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about the latest and greatest in English dubs and Roots. voiceover. You cannot say... No, those two adjectives do not describe anything about what we're about to talk about. No, they don't, but I gotta say it because it's my intro. I, okay, fine. You gotta be on brand. I get that. But be honest to the listeners because, my God, we're in for a weird one today. I am your host, Patrick, a.k.a. Roots of Justice. And as you heard, joining me today is none other than Noah Clue. I'm in this for the historical preservation and not the actual quality. I hope you people out there appreciate this. And Lack. If I ever meet up with you guys at a con, I'm killing you all for this one. I swear to God. Not if I find you first. And you know what, Lack? I'm gonna be honest, we kind of deserve it. We really do. You guys better make this up to me with Lupin the First. <laughs> Which one, though? That's the question. The one that's Lupin the First. We have to read the original French novel? I could do that. Shut up, man. I'm not in the mood for this. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to talk about anything else. Anything else than... Well, Roots, you go ahead and tell them what, what we're actually supposed to be talking about. Yeah, so um, we buckled down and we watched the... Two-episode OVA series. That was two episodes? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh, my God. It was actually 20. It just, you know, the time-space breaks down a little bit when you're talking about something of this caliber. Sweet Lord. So it's Aiken. We reviewed Aiken. You mean Aiken? I don't care how it's pronounced. I really don't. That's okay. Neither did the voice actors. <laughs> I think they, they pronounce it, like, at least three different ways throughout the show. The school comedy with huge tracts of land. Absolutely huge. Like, greater the beach balls bouncing. Two-headed Buddhas, like two bald-headed men sitting side by side. My titties, my humble humpish. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Diddly-dee. There they are, descending in the road. Big ones, small ones, and ones one some as big as your head. Some of them as big as their whole bodies. That I I don't who's I don't even want to know how that's supposed to work. You know, I I just I don't this this one I I swear it, it broke my mind. This is what people who don't like anime see all anime as. That's a good point. That you're not wrong. That, yeah, there's a there's a lot of like if you didn't know that this was an actual production, you would think that this is like. 
a sketch comedy of like a parody of anime. Yeah, from like college humor or something. Exactly. And now presenting the latest anime from Madhouse, Titty McBoing Boing. <laughs> All right. So you listeners probably want to know what this show is about. Do they? Uh, no, really you don't, but... It's about tits. There, moving on. But I gotta read the plot description, courtesy of Crunchyroll, because it's the thing we're obligated to do. Yes, now, now that it got... So let me go ahead... Got rescued from licensing Let me help. just go ahead and pull go it ahead. up. Oh. Well, this is weird. So according to Crunchyroll's plot description... You, the listener, have been had. This is April Fool's episode. April Fool's! Psych! <laughs> you didn't think we were actually going to watch Icon, did you? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, just watch. It's going to be a Patreon thing now. Oh, no. Don't do oh, it. No. Well, I'm not in that episode. I'm calling it right now. I'm not doing this episode. We pissed no. off the listeners. Not even for the Nookie? <laughs> what Nookie? <laughs> Noah, you can take that cookie and stick it up your... Yeah. I did it all for the cookie. Nice. And the chocolate pudding. But yes, um, once again, just like last year, this is the fake out, guys. Uh, wah, wah, wah. That being said, the sword guy episode I'm hosting is going to be very real. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's going to be glorious. Yeah, and so, and so will the Demon Lord episode. <laughs> You're doing an episode on the sword and the stone? Like the Disney movie? Man, that... I wish I was. I love that movie. That, I mean, I I have nothing against the voice actors in that, but uh, I, I didn't think that qualified as anime, so... All right. All right, so you're probably wondering what you're actually going to be listening to this week, so um, please enjoy tonight's episode where the OGs cover Dime a Dollar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prince vs. Penguin Empire. There we go. The penguin and the Pebble. A.K.A. Penguin Dicks the Animation. Woo! <laughs> Eat a bag of penguin dicks. <laughs> Happy April, everyone. Happy April. We are so terribly, terribly sorry for this. Sorry for scaring you. Well, maybe you are. Enjoy the real episode, everyone. And and for for the love of God, if, even if you uh, are interested in big bazongas, you can you can clear steer of Iken. It, it it's not worth it. There are better titty time shows out there. Just watch Bikini Warriors. It's way funnier and shorter. Is it? Yeah, they're like five minute episodes each. Ah, I I hadn't seen that one yet. I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing. <laughs> That's a glowy recommendation, right on the back of the box. <laughs> Bikini Warriors, lack. I didn't watch all of it. This is a good cameo, guys. So, from us three to you, the listeners, and Otaku on the Deba. Hello, one and all, and welcome to a very special episode of Dub Talk. As you can see, we are not covering Aiken. No, no, we are covering something much better, much more funny, and much more anatomically correct. Are you sure about that? <laughs> to a certain extent, sure. I'm your spaceman. I'm your host, Spaceman Hardy, and I'm joined by my two penguin cadets, uh, Megan and Stephanie, as the OGs. I thought you were going to say, I'm your space host, man, Hardy. I'm your space host, <laughs> coast to coast. God damn it. And tonight we have a very special treat for you for our April 1st episode. Um, we are covering 2015's Dime a Dollar, known over here in the West as Dime a Dollar Prince vs. Penguin Empire. The show released back in 2014, I think, was, it aired in Japan uh, for a brief 
description here on ANN. It says, in order to fight the mysterious Penguin Empire from interfering world peace, secret organization Prince Beauty Parlor has developed a giant robot that, powered by a rare special energy source called High Arrow Particles, Organization member Kyoko Sonan has located an ordinary high school student, Koichi Marambashi, with a high amount of high arrow particles within his body, making him a suitable candidate for the pilot of the giant robot. But there is only one way to release it. Allow Marambashi to harass her with lewd behavior. In other words, we power our super robot by mashing boobies. By grabbing them tits. By tickling, by tickling the tickle bits. Yep. By uh, molesting the mammaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just for contact. Bashing the boobies. Can yes. we can we quickly talk about how we first interacted with the show? Oh, like got, together in live fucking time, basically. We got really shit faced one New Year's. <laughs> so I think it was actually like 2015 in the 2016. So Dub Talk was like really early starting out. And it was the three of us plus Noah. We were like, fuck it. Let's get together on New Year's Eve and just chill and watch stupid shit and drink. So what was it? I think we watched Apocalypse Zero. Which was, which I'm going to say was better than this. We also watched the dramatical murder OVA. Yep. Ah, my favorite thing in the world to subject idiots to. And then we also watched the first episode of Dime a Dollar. And we, so I think we watched Apocalypse Zero first. And then we did Dime a Dollar. And by that point, we were fucking... Gone. Two sheets <laughs> of the wind, man. I remember eating an entire stuck. Pizza Hut pizza that night. And my stomach regretted it. I, w- I was like at least mildly sober during the experience. Because I didn't drink a lot during that whole night. But I remember, god damn, we were riffing on Diamond Dollars so bad. And somehow eating an entire greasy Pizza Hut pizza is less disgusting than the main character of the show. Oh, uh, yes. We'll get to him eventually because, But yeah. TLDR, fast forward to like earlier this month because we're recording it in march we didn't know what the fuck we want to do for april fools this year and then all of a sudden out of nowhere i think it was megan and she's like guys we should do dime a dollar i'm like are you for real correct answer my original thing was we should have done a legitimate episode on Iken, but everybody downvoted me that is also true they were like (laughs) settle down satan but dime a dollar then entered the chat and then this just went from there so, so our little little history with Diamond Dollar, we're here to experience it again together. <laughs> Five years later. All right. So uh, let's go around ahead and get to our ADR director and scriptwriter, and then we can get in our final thoughts. We'll come back to what we think about the actual show because we're going to be here for a while, potentially. So for our ADR director, we have Clifford Chapin, and for our scriptwriters, we have Alex Muniz. Jared Hedges, and Joel Bergen. So in the sake of brevity, we'll just, uh, we're not really going to talk about um, what other projects they've written, but if you'd like to bring them up, that'd be fine. I didn't think that this cast was that big, so I actually don't know some of the stuff that some of those guys have written. Well, I'll bring some up as we've, uh, I know Clifford is famous for directing a lovely little show called Darling in the Franks. This predates it, so he also- I have words about that later on! (laughs) But listen, he also did direct the- by far better mecha show in his arsenal, SSSS Grandman. So. Mm-hmm. So he redeemed himself. That's a tokusatsu show, not a mecha. Close enough! There was a giant robot in there! No, that's two completely different Look, things! Look, my whole point is a giant robot. Clearly out of the three in his actual repertoire, Gridman is the best. I'm just saying. Fine. 
Just saying, all right? And then I will say Alex Minutes, I think, was one of the writers for Arte, if we're looking at recent stuff. Okay, look, I am more surprised that Jamie Markey didn't write this show. Same? Because this is like, this is like hardcore, like what I expected of Jamie Markey, which is not a bad thing, people. Like, no. this show is funny. Like, this dub is literally carried on its, on its rack by the script of this show. Okay, that explains it. That so explains for, a lot. So for minor context, while she's talking, I'm quickly looking up some credits. And side note, I was in, I was wrong. Alex Muniz did not write on Arte, but he did write for Darling in the Franks, a few episodes of My First Girlfriend as a Gal. And for the two people in the, uh, who, who are in this call, even though I haven't seen this show, fucking Shimonetta. That explains a lot. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go back to looking now. <laughs> you continue. Um, I like the Shimonetta dub. Yeah. Shimonetta dub was better than this. Um, and like, I, I'm sorry. I think the Shimonetta dub is hilarious. Um, like, I think the casting for this has some really cool stuff. But also, because of the way that the show goes at points, some of the acting becomes very, like... I don't know if you can tell if people are uncomfortable doing some of this show. Or that, like, when the writing wasn't punched up to 11... Like, it kind of falters a bit, so I was actually, like, kind of just okay on the dub unless the script was being absolutely hilarious. Like, to me, some of the best stuff is not even, like, the sexual humor. It's some of the background stuff. Like, um, at one point, there's, like, a news report where I think the guy says, uh, tune in at 11 for footage of my untimely death. Yes. Um, I'm afraid of solar eclipses is another really good one. Yes. It's the penguin emperor. He's the emperor of penguins. <laughs> what else is there? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of really fun ways to say titty. Oh, the one that actually fucking killed me that was a sex joke was um, he turned her into a wet noodle and he didn't even touch her ziti. <laughs> like, oh my God. I choked. I absolutely choked when I heard that because it was such a stupid fucking line, but it was great. Like, this is a dub that is 100% held on the back of its script writing. Mm -hmm. And I would say that based on the other parts of this cast, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot of ad-libbing going on. This has some cast members that I could 100% see doing that. Um... But overall, I think it's a pretty it's a pretty solid dub that's held up by its casting, by its directing, by its writing. Fuck brain, stop thinking about titties. Um, <laughs> Never. Shit. Listen, man, I was having a talk the other day with one of my friends. Yeah. If you don't know, uh, I really like the game Hades by Supergiant Games. If you've never seen Aphrodite, she's literally a giant naked woman. Oh Jesus. And I'm listening. Back <laughs> off, she's mine. <laughs> you have my attention. So I was talking to my friend, and I was like, also, my brain goes goo for Aphrodite's from Hades. And I'm just like, insert the giant woman song. And all I said was, herp, derp, lesbian, half of lizard brain want giant women. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes herp, derp, lesbian, half of lizard brain want to see some nipples. Oh boy, does Diamond Dollar show all of the fucking titties. There's a lot of nipples. There's a lot! I don't want to see all of them because some of them are on underage girls and I'm just like, I'm uncomfortable, I don't like this. But like, the top engineering lady who bowls naked, hell yeah, my dude. 
Just don't bowl naked. That just made me like cringe into a, a singularity. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, what are your opinions on the directing and writing? Oh my god. <sighs> I don't even know at this point. <laughs> I don't even know what I fucking watched, Hardy. I don't know if I this is a great idea or if I instantly regret it. I will say this. There have been shows before where after I watch it, I want to take a shower. Diamond Dollar so far is the only show where I finish watching it and then I decide to actually fucking take a shower. <laughs> the show is awful. Just saying. Oh, God. Oh, I'm dying. It's gonna, ah, it's gonna be a long fucking night and I'm on my third cup of coffee. We're fucking screwed, guys. Um... You okay there? I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start with the directing on this. So, hello again. It's a Clifford Chapin dub. What has Steph not said about a Clifford Chapin dub? If you're new here to dub talk, first of all, hello, welcome. Stay a while. We're not as fucking crazy as we seem. I promise you. Are you sure about that? Maybe except for her. Um, Why did you say that about me? Have you seen what you date? I'm Have you looked at the mirror recently, Stephanie? Well, considering I've been stuck in fucking self-imposed quarantine lockdown, I am slowly losing my mind. It's fine. Anyway, my point being... For the new kids in the back who have never heard Steph talk about what she likes in a Clifford Chapin-directed dub, the dub itself is very solid. The direction is very, very solid. The casting for the time that this dub came out is actually really interesting to me. There's a couple of names in here among our four leads that I think around that time I, I never really saw them in a dub like this or anything of the like before, so that was really interesting to me. Um, and the performances, for the most part, are good. <laughs> For the most part. And Cliff, again, I'm going to say this again for the new kids in the back. He really has a good sixth sense about character development, about story, plot lines, and things like that. But serious drama, the show is not. Oh, no. And one of the things that I never really get to talk about much is Cliff's approach to comedies. He has a fun fucking approach to comedies. And with comedic timing. And the direction for those comedic timing and that, all those moments is just... Ah, chef's kiss. I love it. But let's face it, the star of this show and this dub is the goddamn writing. And we briefly mentioned while Megan was talking about Alex's writing credits. Um, real quick, Jared uh, Hedges also did Akiba Strip, Ping Pong the Animation, and Shimanetta. And Joel Bergen, Darling in the Franks, Psychopaths, and Shimanetta. These three writers all fucking worked on Shimanetta. <laughs> And I think Joel also had some hands on uh, My First Girlfriend as a Gal as well. So th this type of material is not foreign to them. Granted, most of these shows are after the fact. But it's like, oh my god. For my notes in here, I have more one-liners written down than actual notes on these performances. I'm not even kidding. Like, I know Megan said a couple of her favorites. Um, a couple of mine. I don't care if they make me piss lightning and crap thunder. Return to Route 26, but two seats, you can use the carpool lane. <laughs> this one's so fucking ridiculous, and I can't believe I'm about to say this out loud. Flick of the wrist, he tickled the tip of her tit. I'll think of you every time I see a pervert on the bus. <laughs> oh yeah, that was one that got me. Oh, Megan, did you mention the breadstick line? No, I didn't, and that one fucking made me choke too. I'm so happy you helped yourself to my tongue like it was a fine breadstick. <laughs> like, the writing in here is fucking insane, and um, 
it worked so well and it actually made the dub much more tolerable for me to watch because there is a lot wrong with the show. So much wrong with this show. It's not even funny. Um, I don't know if I should be proud of the work that our writing trio and Cliff had to go through or if I should just feel bad for them. <laughs> like, God. And Diamond Elder predates him becoming a full-time director at Funimation, too. Mm-hmm. He was just doing, I guess, like freelance part-time stuff at the time, if I remember correctly. Right. Because Gosick was his first full-time, and that was around 2017, I think. But anyway, oh my god. There's a lot wrong with this show. The dub <laughs> the, the dub is what we needed but didn't fucking deserve. Like, oh. There's a thing that Hardy has said sometimes. I bet he'll say it again here, so I won't say it now. But God, the MVP of this whole show is the writing trio, 100%, because I just couldn't stop laughing my ass off throughout the entire course of the show with all of these one-liners. And it's interesting how I think it still kind of holds up even five years later, which is the greatest thing ever. It would be interesting to see how much the show and the writing on holds up like another five years down the line. But, um, oh my God. If you can moderately tolerate a horrible show like Dime a Dollar, just, just watch it for the sake of the writing alone. You will die laughing. It's great. I love it. I'm done. <laughs> I know exactly what that phrase that uh, you were mentioning that I said, and I will say it again. You'll hate yourself, but you'll laugh. Mm -hmm. I said it when I first watched it back in uh, 2015. And uh, I'll, I say it 100% again. I guess when I watched it back in 2015, I wasn't as... I didn't view it such as problematic as it really turned out to be. We were all pretty different people about six years ago. I mean, a lot more was tolerated, I guess, back then. Um, yeah. And maybe when it, it shouldn't, shouldn't have, been. have been. Right. It was more like things that we tolerated back then that we shouldn't have was kind of more of a norm at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I still had fun with this show despite its humor. And I definitely agree that 100% that only works because the script and the direction was done so well. This has some of the most fast-paced voice acting I've ever heard. Um, I think at one point Ritz does this one thing talking about her measurements that's like this, what was it, uh, tit-for-tat rat trap or something? She just does Something this, like that. Yeah. Something really fast-paced and really funny. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, that's really impressive, even on a technical level. No, yeah, the comedic timing and some of the technical aspects are just right on point with this. Yeah, because almost every single line is an innuendo. Even when it's not being really perverted, they're still making sex puns. It's just like the heart of the show. And if you don't like those, you're not going to like this at all. Um, but if you allow to get nuts, if you allowed to just get a little silly, you're going to laugh your butt off. And I will say this. I said this six years ago. I'll say it again. You will hate yourself, but you'll laugh. So <laughs> you will 100% hate yourself, but you will laugh your you ass off. You will laugh your ass of off, but you will want to take a shower afterwards. Which like is I did. <laughs> My hair is still drying from that shower. Which is what I almost did after I watched the show, but I didn't because it was like two in the morning. <laughs> oh, God. Like, the main character of this show is, like, awful. And I'm kind of happy that the show has, like, legitimately faded into obscurity. I kind of happy, too. <laughs> Nobody talks about this. And I'm kind of okay with that. 
says the person talking about this. I'm gonna throw this out there. If you are like a sub purist, you're going to hate the dub. Oh yeah, you were gonna absolutely fucking hate this. You will blame Jamie Markey for writing this when she never- When it's not even her. <laughs> like, listen. Listen, guys, I get we all have irrational fears, but- No, what I was gonna say is that a lot of sub purists who claim, oh, Ghost Stories is the only good dub, this is pretty close to ghost stories. You can definitely tell. This is almost ghost story levels. Yeah, this is almost there. And trust me, I've caught some pop culture references. Don't think I missed that one Harry Met Sally joke, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um... I'm young, not stupid. <laughs> no, but, like, if if your main preference is the Japanese and you switch to the English track, you're going to 100% dislike this. I will admit, before we started recording, I attempted to go back to a couple episodes in the Japanese. And honestly, like, the jokes weren't as punchy, they weren't as fun, and the performances were a bit more... S- I can't believe I'm fucking saying this. They were a bit more stiff. <laughs> sex jokes or we're gonna fucking give sex jokes all fucking night probably who who are we fucking kidding but um as hardy tends to say you'll hate yourself but you'll fucking laugh (laughs) all right speaking about hating people let's talk about the least hated people in this entire show yay (laughs) the heart of this show they're not the main characters but we love them anyways our precious penguin minions Identical in appearance, but precious to our hearts. We have Michael, Jim, Dennis, Jake, and Nelson. No, that is not a mistake. They are all named just regular American names. (laughs) They're very good boys. And remember, they're front tails, not genitals. Oh, who are we kidding? I mean, they enjoy those, uh, they enjoy Ritz's rubdowns, so what the fuck are we kidding? I would not enjoy Ritz's rubdowns because she's rubbing their dicks like she's about to tinder a fire. (laughs) (laughs) And let's be real, gentlemen, if a girl's rubbing that hard and you start spewing smokes, that's not because she's into you. You need to back off or your willy is about to become a hot dog. (laughs) A smoked sausage. She just needs a bun and you're good. And if you're a Polish dude, you're about to get kebasa. <laughs> kebasa? I've never heard kebasa before. You've never had kebasa sausage? Kielbasa. Are you talking about kielbasa? Yes. Okay, we're having a pronunciation problem here. It's me. When do I ever pronounce anything right? No, 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 no. I use I use kielbasa sausage for like fucking my red beans and rice I, all the time. Like, it's gonna turn into a fucking pack the cat, have it, yeah, fucking shit again, isn't it? I was about to be like, listen, girl, do I need to sit on your chest and shove a pole with sausage in your mouth? No. Oh my. I'm surprised that wasn't in this show. <laughs> slowly, Andrew comes into the screen. No. <laughs> like, Andrew's there, like, slowly getting, like, the pool of pudding. Like the, the, the swimming pool of pudding ready. Hardy's just on the grill, like frying that shit up. I fucking quit. Dub Talk now announces our OnlyFans account. No! <laughs> Fuck that! For $7.99 a month, you too can watch Megan shove a sausage in Steph's mouth. <laughs> 
we literally open up an OnlyFan. It's it's nobody naked. It's literally just us cooking sausages. Oh my god! It's not technically illegal. You, there's no rules. You can't, you can't do that. It's true. <laughs> no one ever said you had to be naked on OnlyFans. We're still showing off our meat. <laughs> we can just get ones like all black morph suits and be the penguins with the front tails, just smoking sausage. <laughs> Hardy, would you like to tell us who voices the penguins, or are you all dead? I would love to tell you who voices the penguin minions. We have Michael is voiced by Aaron Roberts. Jim is voiced by Brad Jackson. Dennis is voiced by Dave Trosko. Jake is voiced by Jerry Jewell. And Nelson is voiced by Sonny Strait. Other roles you might have heard. Aaron Roberts is, let's fly the plane into the side of the wall from Serve of the End. I love you, Wackus Welp. Brad Jackson is a angry little pig who wishes for panties. What? He's Oolong from Dragon Ball. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Megan. Uh, Maro from Black Cat, too. Oh, thanks. I'm looking that up. Yeah. Because I hadn't heard Brad Jackson before. Dave Trosko is, is a loud little screamy radio announcer. Present Mike. Present Mike. <laughs> My yes. hero. Jerry Jewell is a sexy uh, figure skater, Russian figure skater. Ah, yes. With his Victor Nikivarov. Yes. I was going to say. With his metal pipe of pain. <laughs> That's a different show, but okay. <laughs> I was going to say, not if Yuri's involved. Not if Yuri's involved, nope. Yuri, tough eyes, spread those cheeks. <laughs> Fuck! And, and Sunny Straight is a yellow tentacle monster. Koro Sensei. Yes. So who was your favorite oh, penguin? Fuck. Megan. Oh, fuck. They're all great. That's. I don't have a favorite. I don't even have notes on them. I think my favorite is Nelson. Because Nelson's the butt monkey of them all, right? They're all kind of the butt monkey. <laughs> I don't know. Like, It's so hard to tell which one is which apart because all of these guys are fucking hilarious. Like, I know that they had to probably record them one by one, but I actually kind of hope they recorded them in a room together. I would love that. That'd be amazing. The penguins don't have lip flaps. No, that's the benefit for these guys as well as the penguin emperor. They don't have lip flaps. So first of all, Sunny's probably having another fucking easy time because it's Curl Sensei all over again, basically. Yeah, pretty Just much. No actual mouth though. Like, I I thought the Penguin Bros were hilarious. They are, in fact, the best part of the entire show. Yes, are they weird, horny, and grabby? Yeah, but do they actually give a shit about Ritz's well-being? Yes. Like, they're a weird fuck-ass little family of horny little bastards. <laughs> But they love their own. It's great. But they're a family of horny little bastards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, F is not only for fuck, it's for family. <laughs> oh, shit. F isn't just for fellatio. Something that I think Steph would have more practice at than me and Hardy. Mm -hmm. <sighs> of course, we're talking about my sex life again. Great. Thanks. Uh, you walked into it. Um, <laughs> that's... <laughs> it's like... Listen, girl, you gotta eat that kibasa somehow. It's like it's a normal normal OG night here on Dub Talk when Megan decides to fucking poke at my sex life. Great. <laughs> oh, the kibasa joke did kill me, though. So, Stephanie, I was gonna shift over to you. Who was your favorite penguin, if you could choose one? If I could choose one? That's hard. Because they do... They, they are sort of similar, but they do have their 
as you watch the show, they do kind of have their own personalities. No, they do. They really do. And the, the voices are just distinct enough for each of them to actually stand out, which I, first of all, credit to the directing on that one for having the actors be as distinct from each other as humanly possible, because otherwise they would blend together in the background. And, and specifically with these five, I noticed a couple other um, Penguin Commandos that we're not discussing, um, like fucking Joseph and Henry. Yeah, it should be noted that there are two individual penguins voiced by uh, Ian Sinclair and uh, Chris George. And uh, Chris George's name is Joseph, and he's the one with the giant front tail. <laughs> yes. But anyway, no, each of the personalities and the voices are distinct enough to make the five of them like separate from each other. The only one that I, ha I think I had a harder time with, though, trying to pick out was Brad Jackson, mostly because I don't know who Brad Jackson is. Yeah. He really doesn't do much. No, and I probably actually mistook him a few times for Chris George. So did I, actually. So it's humanly possible I accidentally mistook him for Chris George, and that's why I was very confused when we were like, hey, should we take out the one-off characters like Joseph? I'm like, but Joseph, you already have in there. Yeah, but he's only in the one episode. I'm like, really? <laughs> Wait. But, um... No, they're each distinct enough and I like them. I think, I think I like Jake the most. Jerry's Penguin. He had, I think, the best one-liners out of the five, which made me laugh so hard. I think. <laughs> but, um, I think Sonny might be a close second for me. But Jerry, I think, had the best one-liners that just cracked me up. I think that's why I liked him. But no, all five of them are fun. I love okay, them. Okay, you want to know my favorite thing about the penguins? What? It's when they all get transported out of the desert. And they're all like, what did you lose? Because the transportation device leaves something behind. Right. It's like, I lost my skirt. I lost my porno mag. I lost the scorpion poison that was inside me. That's a good thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I forgot which penguin it was that um picked up the fucking scorpion. It might have been Dave's. I think it was Dave. It's like, look, guys, look at this shrimp. Uh, that's a scorpion. <laughs> It was great. I found this jumbo prawn. I'll feed it to you. No. No. <laughs> That's a scorpion, dear. Like, that is literally, like, what it's like to hang out with Dub Talk. It kind of <laughs> is, yeah. Like, a bunch of fucking morons just chilling and doing stupid shit. We wouldn't obviously... We obviously don't molest each other. Yes, and we obviously don't pick up scorpions thinking they're fucking shrimp, but you know. <laughs> no, but one time I did think a duck wasn't a bird and told it to get out of a tree. <laughs> I was completely sober. It was college. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway. I'm not telling the aloe vera story again. <laughs> so you know what made me realize is, uh, have you seen that video where all the different guys dressed as Spider-Man, they all go do that stupid dance? Yes, I love those videos. Yes. Imagine the penguins doing that. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. <laughs> That'd be fucking amazing. I did that at someone's wedding one time and they thought it was the funniest shit. <laughs> anyway, I don't really have a, a lot to say about the penguins aside from them being distinct enough from each other and them. Oh my god, I love them. <laughs> They're so great. The band of the Spideys. The band of the Spidey. The band of the penguins. Yeah, I also, I also think Jake is probably my favorite penguin too because he, he has the most distinctive personality out of the rest of the five. But I do have to bring up Joseph once, because if you think back, if you can go back to the Fairy Tale Zero episode that I was doing with Jamal, um, I brought up Chris George because he played one of the main characters in that. Oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, I mentioned that he was in Dime a Dollar and uh, he played Joseph and I referred to him as the Mandingo of Penguins. And Jamal beat the shit out of you, didn't Jamal he? Jamal said, you made me spit out my drink. 
for the record, the reason I made that reference is that is the alias of a uh, a male uh, adult film star who is very very well equipped in his uh, in his profession. <laughs> I... Oh God, he can perf- he can perform well, is what you're saying. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Anyway. But anyways, yes, I love the penguins. Uh, they're basically the heart and soul of the show, without being the main characters. And yeah, I, without really delving into or specifics, I just think they all just have this real family and camaraderie that's just, at the same time, super funny, but also super sweet. Yeah, so. Damn it, Hardy. When you said the Spider-Man take on me thing, I had to look up the original video of that because I hadn't seen it in years. It's still as funny as fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> of the guy jogging around with it. Mm-hmm. And then one after the other, they cut follow suit. Can I point out a funny joke, too, in the show? Mm-hmm. And it's it's reoccurring with the penguins. Um, so when Ritz is kind of first introduced, and um, she fights the Diamond Dollar, she does the whole cock-a-doodle-doo attack, like spins around a damn circle, and it got to be so bad that she got motion sick and threw up. Um, so the penguins are dumb, and they thought it was morning sickness. Morning sick, Ritz! Morning, <laughs> morning sick, Ritz! <laughs> So every time they chant her name from most of that show, at least until like the last two, three minutes of, of the show itself, they refer to her as Morning Sick Ritz and like cheer her on like that. It's like, what the fuck? I love when they all are like, we're going to build the robot and they're going to, I like when they're like, fuck the union, it's for Ritz. Yes. Or they love her. Okay. I forgot one of my other favorite lines that one of them says is, uh, it's when Ritz has to fight Humboldt. Who we're not talking about who is this little nymphomaniac girl that was made from penguin and human DNA. But the Humboldt penguins were fucking when they got it. Yeah. So she's a little bit of a nympho. <laughs> also voiced by Monica Rial, we should mention. What was it? Uh, Is this... Is this... Uh, is this martial arts or identical twins? <laughs> yes! It's like, I don't know. We're just gonna keep watching the... Just the way that they say that. <laughs> just keep watching, though. Also, I was going to say, we need to have a fight. Ritz versus, um, Barfy from Defrag. <laughs> yes! Fight! Ritz versus Barfy, baby! Shit, who voiced Barfy? Oh, that was Leah Clark, I think, right? Yes. Ritz versus Barfy, motherfuckers. Speaking of. Oh, yes. We're going to move on to the, the staff of the Beauty Salon Prince, who are the secret organization currently battling the Penguin Empire using the Diamond Dollar Robots. Uh, we have their administrator, Kazuo Matayoshi. We have the three scientists, Moriko Tomoyori, Soriko Majikina, and Sawashiko Goya. Oh, God. I don't like Goya. I don't. Which one is Goya again? She's the little girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. With a cloth up her nose. Uh, Matayoshi is voiced by J. Michael Tatum. Soriko is voiced by Tiffany Patterson. Moriko is voiced by Jamie Markey. And Goya is voiced by Leah Clark. Hi, Barfy. Hi, Barfy. So, Megan, what did you think of the beauty salon? Okay, I'll start with uh, Barfy Jr. <laughs> she's she's okay. Leah does a good job playing her as the cutesy little girl. Uh, I honestly don't have a lot to say about the three engineer girls because they kind of just fade into the background a lot. Uh, though, Jet, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Jet, I'm sorry for this. So, the horny Mitsuboshi colors. <laughs> what? You cannot convince me that these are the colors from Mitsuboshi Colors grown up when they fucking, you know, 
rocket blast a goddamn Wi-Fi tower out because seriously, this is why you should never have your giant mechs run by a smart cloud program because some (laughs) bitches are going to blow it up. And seriously, Jamie's girl, please wear a bra when you're biking. (laughs) Your nipples will get cold. (laughs) I haven't seen Mitsubishi color, so I'm going to take your word for that. Jet's going to punch me in the face when she sees me again. Like, you know that gif of um, Matt Mercer's guy punching Gon's dad in Hunter x Hunter? Where he goes phases through the table? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting that on April 1st now. <laughs> Sorry, Jet. Uh, so, Leah plays a good, cutesy little girl voice. That's all that character really is to me. All she does is speak in double entendre. I don't really remember a lot of her performance, mostly because I think that they are such background non-characters to me. Uh... Tiffany Patterson has a really soft, sweet voice. She is very much the straight man of the group. Uh, She's just kind of there, too. I think she does a good job standing in. Jamie Markey, for the love of God, please do not go bowling naked. (laughs) Your character. Moriko, please put on a shirt. You never know when your arm is going to slip and you're going to have 8 to 12 pounds of bowling balls coming at your nips. (laughs) That was an OSHA accident waiting to happen. <laughs> yes, actually. That was an OSHA violating. That's an, an OSHA, OSHA violation. violation. Just ready to fucking happen. You are that perfect. entire workplace is an OSHA violation. Yeah, it is, actually. God. This is not safe for work, but not in the way you think. As someone who was OSHA certified while in college, this whole facility has so many violations. It's not even funny. It's not an OSHA safe workplace. (laughs) Ma'am, please wear a bra. Ma'am, ma'am, I need you to wear closed-toed shoes, please. Not go barefoot. No, because I can see her them welding the fucking robot without shirts on and their nipples out. And I'm just like, there are sparks flying at that. Ma'am, you're not wearing the proper protective material, protective equipment for this. We need you to put some goggles on those eyes, and I'm not talking about the ones on your face. <laughs> no, 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 no. Moriko, you need a pair of glasses. Not those, not, not the ones you're already wearing. Different pair of glasses, okay? And then, oh boy. Um, I think Jamie did fine. It was Jamie's big kind of bitchy girl voice. Again, uh, those characters don't really do a lot to me, so there's, I don't really have a ton to say about them. Uh, but man, J. Michael Tatum is Kazuo, playing the most aggressively heterosexual person on the planet. Uh, he does a really good job at the big domineering boss voice. Um, as much as I really don't like the second half of the show when we switch away from, uh, Kyoko and Koichi... Listening to Tatum be the guy like, oh god, can you please just get a fucking room? (laughs) Yes. As like this 30-year-old man who's just like, oh god, if you're going to be horny teenagers, just fuck already. Like, you're ready for him to like drive to the CVS and give them the magnums. Yes. (laughs) And we don't mean the ice cream bars. No. Although maybe for those for later. All right, Shoma. Here's your Trojans. Now go pass it and go get her Helen of Troy. And he- here's some Magnum ice cream for some aftercare once you're done, all right? She might be into food play. She might be into food play. She might be into some ice play while we're at it. I don't fucking know. You can use that as an experiment before you try the food play. I don't know. Please do not stick a Magnum ice cream bar into your girlfriend's cooch. That is yeah. not sanitary. Oh, please please do don't. not actually stick a popsicle no. into any orifice <laughs> on your significant other that is not his mouth. Yeah. This has been Sex Ed with the Dub Talk Podcast. 
Matayoshi's like, not right in front of my salad. Yes! God, right in front of my salad? Fucking hell! But this man is, I don't know, I just don't like Matayoshi as a character either, because he's like way too okay with molesting teenage girls. Oh my god. And also, be I hate his final speech. I absolutely fucking hated his speech in the last episode, where he's like, sex is just love with a label on it. It's like, dude, calm the fuck down, heterosexual man. Think about the aces in the room. Chill. Again, this is five years ago. I understand that this is the whole thing of like, don't police porn and shit, to which like, ethical porn is a-okay. I get it, let people be horny as long as that horniness is not like, at people who are not consenting. Mm-hmm. And trust me, there is so much non-consental shit in this show that it's really hard for you to take seriously. Yeah. Like, I could talk about how this is a failure of a satire show because people are like, oh, this is like a Becca comedy satire. I'm like, yeah, it's a Becca comedy satire that came out years before the thing that would that it would actually be a good comeback to satirize. Because, like, there are times where the penguins are literally spouting some Shinzo Abe level shit. Yes. Thank you, Katarina, our Unsung Hero Award, for, for making my favorite new meme template. So, <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, no, I thought Tatum was probably the best of this group, mostly because his character is the most memorable, and I think he was definitely putting on a little ham. Oh, yes. Delicious ham chewing that scenery. Heck yeah. Uh, alright. I said I didn't like Goya, aka Leah Clark's character, at the start. It's because she's a looks like a fucking child and is sexualized as a fucking child that made me uncomfy. Um, that's why. Yeah, I don't like that either. I didn't like that at all. Same with Ritz. Ritz is a fucking kid. We'll get- we'll talk about Ritz uh, when we- Anyway, there's a lot of things wrong with this show. Um, but in terms of performances, <laughs> uh, as Megan mentioned, Goya basically speaks almost only in fucking double entendres <laughs> the entire show. Um, and I think Leah just has, like, the fun, punchy personality and the comedic timing to to hit those line reads for those double entendres, and I think it actually does work very well. Um, Tiffany Patterson, she is the one straight man in this entire show. She doesn't really at all, as far as I can remember, have any sex jokes or any talk about sex or anything like that, unless it's on a technical level about, like, the dime a dollar or something, for instance. That's it. She is also a random exposition dump that gets interrupted a lot. <laughs> Like, she'll try and talk about how the high era particles work and all this fun stuff. And in the middle of it, while she's trying to describe it, you have fucking Koichi and Kyoko in the cockpit, like, arguing about him, like, touching her boobs or some shit. And here you have Soriko just being drowned out. <laughs> so Tiffany has to do a little bit of extra exposition dump. And I think Tiffany is did fantastic with that. And again, as the only straight man of the whole show, like... And telling Goya, like, why? Why are you like this? Why are you Yeah. Why? Why you why you like this child? <laughs> Stop. Um out of the three professors, I actually really, really enjoyed Jamie. Um, it's big girl mature Jamie, but it's a fun spin on it because Jamie don't give no shits. <laughs> And Moriko don't give no shits, and it's so much fun, and I am also in agreement, again, <laughs> the whole <laughs> Salon Prince facility <laughs> is not up to OSHA code. <laughs> Moriko, please put a bra and a shirt on while you bowl, please. <laughs> oh, but no, Jamie is fun, and I think out of, out of the three, I think I liked Jamie the most out of the three, but I'll it's more because I'm very uncomfy with a child being... <laughs> fucking exploded like exploited like that um but i did like leah's portrayal uh of the character uh 
Tatum, though. Oh, man. Tatum, to an extent, also has to play, like, even though it's very hammy, it is a very hammy performance, the character, I think, is actually more played straight, and that's why it's so hammy, because he's played straight and serious through most of the show. But Tatum manages to use, like, a tone of voice and a sense of authority and use, uses such fun dialogue and one-liners that that's where I think the ham comes in. And it's actually very fun and interesting to see that. Uh, I, like Megan, was also, <laughs> also enjoyed him fucking yelling at frickin' um, Shoma and Kiriko. <laughs> like, you fucking children, what the fuck? Oh, can we also mention the fact... <laughs> fucking Matayoshi magically becomes Koichi's master in perversion very early on, too. It's like, the fuck? I mean, he's introduced in a monk's universe. Yes, and then he immediately, like, makes pork. Airdrops the porn. Pork, pork, Kyoko. Pork, Kyoko. Yeah. Um, Koichi learned the ways of abstinence for, like, ten fucking days, basically. Um... No, but I think that it is a hammy performance, but my brain, I see it as a different kind of hammy performance because the character, I think for the most part, is actually played rather straight. And that's why it's a hammy performance because Tatum puts in enough enough of a fun twist and a spin on the tone and with the comedic timing that it does turn into a hammy performance. But I see as Matayoshi being more of a straight played character, which is very interesting. Um, Tatum is the standout, <laughs> but he's also a fucking asshole. And I'm gonna say this, I kind of wish that they all got blown up <laughs> at the end <laughs> because another running joke of the whole fucking show is that the public, like Tokyo and Japan, they hate the fucking Daima Dollars Yeah. because they cause so much collateral damage to the whole city. When you realize that the Penguin Empire is more OSHA compliant than the previous Yes! <laughs> yep. That by the end of it, like the final baddie of the show is the fucking government. <laughs> Not the Penguin Empire, it's the government. Which also comes out of fucking nowhere, and I, I kind of hated it. It comes out of nowhere, but at the same time, they at least have some justification because of the constant yeah. buildup about, oh my god, again? They did blow up Shinjuku at one point, that's true. They blew up Shinjuku, and they blew up, like, they blew up everything. And I mean, again, in the background, there's constant, like, whining about, oh my god, again? We gotta go! Why do they destroy all this shit? So the buildup is kind of there. It kind of comes a little out of nowhere, but at the same time, it, it has that buildup, which is fine. It manages to get away with it. Um, yeah. But no, I kind of wish that they just blew everything up and be like, okay, problem solved. Move about our day. Diamond dollars are gone. Diamond dollars are gone. Let's go about our day. The diamond dollar and its jack arm are gone. <laughs> but um, no, all of these performances were, were fun, but Tatum's definitely to stand out. I have no feelings one way or the other about the final speech that he gives. I'm kind of like, eh, all right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as the three girls go, um, I always just viewed Goya as just being petite. I never really thought of her as being a child. Uh, the character design is very much like a child. That's my problem. Yeah. No. But uh, I really liked how she was just, she had the best one-liners of the three and just watching her try to say something dirty. And then Moriko's like, why are you like this? Has to restrain her. No, it's Soriko. You got them mixed up. Oh, yeah. Soriko. Right. I like the interaction between those two a lot. And uh, I always did wonder why Soriko just wore, like, the bottom half of a bunny suit, but not the ears. This is true. She does. The bottom half is OSHA compliant. <laughs> to be fair. 
But anyways, um, Moriko is just basically Jamie Markey being Jamie Markey. Uh, hopefully, I hope Jamie Markey doesn't bowl naked in real life. I mean, if she does, I am not here to judge. So. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm sorry. You okay? I'm like, wait. Why would anyone actually bowl naked in public? I mean, I live near a couple nudist resorts, so... Aside from that, as far as I'm aware of, I could be wrong. I don't think there are any nudist resorts in fucking Texas, thank you. Mm, Texas is a big place. There are at least three. Oh, there are- <laughs> Oh, God. I just Googled it. Oh, no. Steffi is uncomfy. We're not taking you to one. Chill out, my dude. No. Anyway, Hardy, go ahead. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, you know, when I first watched it in 2015, I actually really enjoyed Matayoshi's final speech. Uh, mainly the delivery itself of it. Oh, yeah. The delivery is good. It's the contents of the words. Yeah, because- I didn't really take into consideration the context, but I, I doubt they really put that much thought into it. And so I don't I don't think it was trying to be like hateful or anything at the time. But I I'm pretty sure if it had been written more recently, it definitely would have been changed significantly. Oh, probably. Yeah. And that's why I think the writing on more recent shows like Shimonetta specifically have been more inclusive and, and avoided that whole stereotype altogether but as far as the delivery goes i thought he did a fantastic job he's just this cranky old man who just wants the kids to get a room and just like don't screw in front of my salad that's all i ask i think that might be the reason why I'm, i i have no opinion one way or the other of the final speech because it is delivered wonderfully by tatum but the content of it i'm just like uh <laughs> that's why i'm kind of in the middle i think on that one Right, right. I think if it was written today, it would have been significantly different. But oh, yeah. It is what it is. This is from 2015. I mean, lots of, a lot has changed in the past six years. So, anyways, that's them. Uh, let's move on to our main antagonists. I fucking love one of these! We have the Penguin Emperor. All hail the Penguin Emperor! He's the Emperor of the Penguins. And as his... Diehard subordinate Recant Seabury, aka Ritz, who is unbeknownst to him, actually met the Penguin Emperor when she was a little girl and they traveled together and they separated and they grew up separately. And she finally realizes that he was the one she traveled with the whole time, and that explains her love of penguins. She is she loves the penguins unconditionally, views them as family members. Because humans suck. Humans do suck, yeah. The reason she has such a negative view against humans is because she actually lost her parents in a war. Right. So, so she became an orphan and then she met the emperor just by chance. Yeah, because he accidentally got zapped into this dimension. Did we mention the penguins are from another dimension? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> They're alien penguins. In fact, the emperor specifically says, to repeat, we are alien penguins. Remember, it's front tails, not genitals. <laughs> but uh, considering her backstory is actually pretty dark. Uh, yeah. For such a silly show. But anyways, playing these two characters, playing the Penguin Emperor, we have Patrick Seitz. Playing Ritz, we have Tessa Ellery. So what did we think about these two? They were two of probably the best performances in this show. Like, you could absolutely tell that Tess was having a blast. She is quick, fast, funny. She puts a lot of heart into her stuff. She has a lot of good comedic timing. Uh, like, okay, I've watched Occupus Trip, but I haven't watched the other really big Clifford comedy, which is Chio's School Road. Oh, Chio's School Road. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Like, the comedic timing is great. And the biggest thing, I've seen clips of Chio's School Road, 
And Tio School Road is probably one of Clifford's best comedy notes. Yes, I can 100% c- confirm that for you, yes. And this reminded me a lot of what would go into Michaela's performance. The direction, I think, was used maybe potentially for Cliff's direction of Michaela and Chio School Road, because in this, Ritz does not miss a beat. Tess is on point every fucking time. She's hilarious. She's funny. I love the part where... In the final episode, she shows up to help fight the government. And she's like, don't read into what we're doing. Oh, you're going to do that whole thing where only I can defeat you because I'm your enemy. Okay, you could have tried a little bit, dude. <laughs> like, that was really good. I like that. That was good. I like how she uses the royal we to refer to herself and her sweet crown maga skills. <laughs> I love that. And her sweet crown maga skills. Like... I love Ritz. Like, Ritz makes me uncomfortable, though, too. Like, their relationship together, because, like, she is really childish, and I don't know how old she is, and that's freaking me out a little bit, but... maybe borderline middle school, but even then. Yeah, I'm like, please, let's stop molesting Ritz, which, thank God, the Penguin Emperor does all the fucking time. Like, there's one part where they're trying to get her measurements, and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you all? Yeah. Out of all of the Penguins, the Penguin Emperor is probably the only one who doesn't actually attempt to molest Ritz. That's his daughter. Why is he going to molest his daughter? Yes. Like, I love the Penguin Emperor. Patrick Seitz is the best straight man in this entire show. Like, you could not have picked a better person to be the Penguin Emperor, in my opinion. He's got this, like, doofy dad voice. He's, like, trying to be this big, cool king. But, like, at the same time, he's just, like, a really befuddled loser. And you think that he's threatening at first, but as he lets his guard down, he's like, No! What the fuck, guys? He's doing his best. <laughs> he's doing he's his just best! Doing his, all he wants to do is help his people because they don't have any high arrow energy. They can't procreate. They literally are front flippers, which he doesn't have, or at least it's covered up. He does have it. You see, when he goes swimming, you see it. Okay, yes. The Penguin Emperor does comply with OSHA. <laughs> The Penguin Empire complies with OSHA. <laughs> Listen, the Penguin Empire is cool enough to recognize union rights, and he's a good boss, in my opinion. Yes, he's so good. That's why I feel like I'd rather root for the Penguin Empire. Yeah, I was like, why are we rooting for the humans? Fuck them. The Penguin Emperor is really great. No, yeah, like, fuck that. I'm, I'm rooting for the Penguin Empire, man. I love at the end when they're all saying goodbye to each other, and, like, he finally fucking handshakes with uh, Tatum's guy. I love when they're all leaving and the penguins are like, dude, let's come over to your house and look at porn again. And they're like, like, yeah. And just like, I love the penguin up. Patrick Seitz is probably one of the best performances in this. And I I genuinely want to see more Patrick Seitz performances like this. I know obviously this is five years ago and he's probably done some stuff and maybe I've missed it. But like, I love Patrick's dumb, doofy dad voice. Like, (laughs) Endeavor is not a dumb, doofy dad. Endeavor's a bad person. Endeavor's the worst fucking dad. He's trying to atone, which good on him, but he's a fucking awful dad. Also, before I get it in the comments, yes, I read the manga. Chill out. I also read the manga, but I'm probably way behind compared to Jump Readers. Yeah, because you don't read WSJ like I do. I don't read Jump, I just read the published volumes, that's it. So I'm behind. (laughs) Like, chill out, people. Calm down in the comments. But other than that, that's all my thoughts. Stephanie, what do you think about these two doofuses? (laughs) I have to agree that these are probably a couple of the best performances in the whole fucking show. I'm going to start with Tessa Elroy. Um, She's very cute and very spunky, but she also has, I think... (laughs) Again, the sense of comedic timing for probably, like, all performances in the show is, like, spot on, which is great. 
But I think I also want to mention that Tessa is just very, very compassionate in her own way. Because she loves the penguins. She loves them to death. Because, like we mentioned before, unbeknownst to both her and the Penguin Emperor, they actually met when Ritz was a kid and she was recently orphaned because of war. And that's where we learned that her love of penguins is, that's how it started. But Ritz loves her penguin family and will just like the penguin minions will do anything for Ritz, she will do anything for the penguins. The instant she sees like a penguin get hurt or something by the diamond dollar or some shit, she will fucking murder your ass. I think she goes full WMD at one point. Oh yeah. Yeah, she does. She's the reason why Shinjuku blows up. Which poor Sam, I hope he got better. <laughs> poor Sam. No, but I really like Tessa's portrayal of Ritz. It's very sweet, very cute. Um, again, because the character design reminds me of a younger kid, maybe at least the youngest being at middle school, it was a little uncomfy. <laughs> Steph uncomfy. But no, like, the comedic timing and all of the fun moments, all this fun stuff, it was on point, and Tessa just, like, nailed it. <laughs> I love Patrick as the Penguin Emperor! I fucking love it! He, he very much is the straight man of the show, like, the most straight man of the show. But I know, I know Megan mentioned big doofy dad voice, but I actually see more of like the regal air to him as well. And I think it really works. It works so fucking well. And again, the comedic timing and delivery is there for some of those hard hitting moments. And again, he is OSHA compliant. He, he cares about the penguins. He's doing this for the good of his people. He has really good motivations for what he's doing and it carries through. And I think that's, and Patrick just makes the Penguin Emperor so fucking likable. And it's just so much fun. I actually, there's a line I wrote down that he said, fucking episode nine, this is after we learn that he actually has met Ritz before. Just thinking about the little girl he met when he first got transported. He said, since I'm not a creeper, I never stalked her on social media. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, that was a good one. I <laughs> know. We have unlimited resources. And Google Maps. <laughs> I like how they say that the Penguin's website looks like a MySpace page. Yes! Please, that's a GeoCities page. <laughs> no, but I think Patrick makes the Penguin Emperor so lovable and endearing that you just really want to root for him as a character. And again, the comedic timing is there. I think he also has moments where he kind of hams it up a bit too, which is fan-fucking-tastic. God, the Penguin Emperor is my fucking favorite. <laughs> I didn't think he would be, but he is. Like, I would root for the Penguin Emperor. I don't fucking care. Like, it's great. Um, but definitely Patrick and Tessa, they, I think they're the two really big stand-up performances of the entire show. In a show where, like, majority, if not all of the cast, have some pretty strong performances, even though the material and the characters are awful. Uh, I'm done. Any show that features Patrick Seitz loudly shouting out the word MACARONI deserves some <laughs> recognition. There's a character named Macaroni for slight context. Yes. there. Yeah. He had one of his subordinates is this uh, human-esque girl uh, named Macaroni who gets transported from the alternate universe. And because every time something gets transported, they lose something <laughs> and she loses her bra. Hardy's favorite line in the whole show. Say it. Say it, dude. We get to hear Felicia Angel say the phrase, I'd never leave home without my over-the-shoulder boulder holder. And I lost it. The second I heard that, I'm like, there it is. I was wondering where that was. We were using that phrase in, in school in the 90s. 
On the playground. Oh no, you want to know how far back that goes? My mom used to say that when she was in high school. Oh my god. That's amazing. Oh, I just, but anyways. Uh, yeah, I like these two. Um, they're very likable antagonists, and it's almost to the point where you, you do want to see them win as opposed to Dime a Dollar. Because I think there's one scene where Ritz is fighting uh, uh, Kiriko, and Kiriko is about to blast the entire city away, and Ritz goes back to her training and uses the, the what is it, the Flash Penguin Punch? Yeah, which basically just blows off people's clothes. Right. At that point, it's like, I actually kind of wanted to root for them. Because no, yeah, because they saved the city. Yeah, they saved the fucking city, with, like causing no damage in the process. And the fact that the penguins go out of their way to uh, set up the fights with Diamond Dollar, and he brings this up. It's like, unlike Superman, we bring them outside the city. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, it's like they're antagonists, but you don't want to see them lose. They're antagonists, but considerate. Right. Yeah. Like, basically, have you seen our heroes? You probably don't want to root for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have to agree that Tessa Ellery as Ritz is just, does not skip a beat. She is just rapid fire with her delivery. And uh, there's one scene where she's talking about uh, having her measurements compared with Kiroko. And she just does this tongue twister. I'm like, how on earth did you do that? And again, it, a lot of it is credited to the writing because... It's just. I think, I'd say a mix of the writing and the directing, because the fact that Tessa has to even say that. <laughs> like... Yeah, but of course, you know, Patrick as the Penguin Emperor is just. I would, you know, I would like to live in a kingdom run by him because he's good. To, yeah. He's good to his people, even though you get the impression he doesn't want to fight the humans. He 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 made a piece. He realizes later on, oh fuck, we've been doing this all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, he remember. Um, the only reason that Kyoko's uh, fighting them is because her dad had a stroke because they try to make a peace offering and, you know, they did the penguin dance and they thought that the front tails were lewd and the whole started the whole thing. Yeah, like the penguins actually have good intentions. They really do. And it's like, like, like he said, towards the end, he realizes like, fuck, we're doing something bad. And it's like, it's like Monsters, Inc. where they realize laughter is better than screams. It's fucking Monsters, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. It literally is Monsters, Inc., guys. It is. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate it here now. God damn it. <laughs> why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> That's why I hate it here now, because you are right. Oh man, this gives a whole different meaning to Mike Wazowski being a one-eyed monster. <laughs> At least he's green and not purple. <laughs> oh my god. Are we good to go? Yes! Yes! So, uh, playing as our second couple of protagonists... Uh, oh no, not these two. The lovesick morons. <laughs> we have Kiriko Kiyuna, who is a former Prince Beauty Salon employee and former pilot of Dime a Dollar. She quit because she couldn't handle the pressure. She wanted to go back to school. Or as I think one of the professors referred to, she had a dry spell. Right. And also we have her boyfriend, Shoma Amaku who has loved her since 
he first laid eyes on her and he confesses to her and she accepts at first just out of convenience, but then comes to realize she loves him just as much and... And would like to raid his mouth like it was the Olive Garden soup, salad, and breadsticks. (laughs) (laughs) She wanted that free breadstick, baby. Or you could say she wanted his breadstick in her salad making some soup. No, that's a Gulliver stick, dingus. Gulliver stick, breadstick, there's only one of them I want in my mouth. (laughs) Preferably from a guy who likes pugs. Anyway. (laughs) I didn't even have to do that. (laughs) Sorry, Hardy, go ahead. Just let her die. You okay there, Stephanie? No, she's broke. Just let her go. She'll come back. She'll figure it out. Playing as this sickeningly sweet couple, Shoma is played by Todd Haberkorn and Kiriko is played by Cherami Lee, a.k.a. Natsu and Lucy, if they ever actually, you know, admitted to each other. Listen, not everybody in fairy tale can be a couple on the level of Gajiel and uh, Levy, who are the only good couple that ever came out of fairy tale. Fight me in the comet, Jalal stands. Uh, Alzac and Biska. Okay, fair. They're the only other characters in fairy tale who ever procreated. Right, right. Okay, no, wait. Mavis and Zaref did, but that killed them. Yeah. Mavis Vermillion is literally that whole meme of uh, don't have sex, uh, you will get pregnant and you will die. Right. Anyway, so what do we think of these PDA-obsessed lovebirds? I honestly think they're the two weakest performances in the show of, like, major characters. I think that you literally could have gotten anybody else to play Shoma. Todd's performance was just, he was just not the right pick for this. I could not believe that he was this nice, sweet, love-struck guy. I would have actually, like, rather preferred this bin. I could have seen, like, Austin Tindall doing this. Or, like, um, uh, I've got to think of actors who were around five years ago. Because I can't say people who are just out now. Uh, Briner was coming up, I think. Greeley, maybe? Yeah, Josh! Oh, there we go! Josh, Josh, they would have been, like, perfect for this. Josh would have been the person I thought, but, like, one of the things I want to say is I don't think Sheremy does her best work here either. Like, I expect a lot more out of Sheremy, even if this was five years ago, but at that point she was a well-established actress. Um, I think that a lot of their stuff just isn't genuinely as funny as other characters. Like, the show tried to be serious at that point. You're dealing with the whole, like, they're coming in after the the original lead is dead. Uh, their thing is a lot more tolerable because let's face it, like you genuinely don't feel good for Kyoko. Their stuff is a lot less forceful, but even then, there's still a lot of jokes made at the expense of like, hey, we're gonna have poor uh, Kiriko get molested and stuff. And I think when it needs to, Cherami pulls it out a bit more. I think when Showa gets turned into a penguin is when Todd excels in this. Yes. Because that's when Todd gets to do the things that people like Todd Habercorn for. It's him being funny and campy and stuff. And, and that's not to say that Todd can't pull out dramatic stuff, but this show wasn't going to lend into Todd's ability to be dramatic when it cared for. And the writing was a lot less strong for this. And I don't think that they loosened up enough to, to kind of get through it. It's serviceable, but it's genuinely not my favorite work in the series, uh, especially not compared to the next segment. Uh, Stephanie, what did you have to say? 
I... Now that you're alive. <laughs> now that I'm alive and I'm not fucking dead for, what is this, the fifth fucking time tonight? Oh, God. Um, first of all, our four lead characters, I'm including Koichi and Kyoko on this, um, they're awful. <laughs> the characters themselves are awful. Um, none of them really have any redeeming qualities at all. Uh, I'm gonna get that part out of the way first. Uh, in terms of Shoma and Kiriko, I'm kind of in the middle in terms of how Todd and Jeremy perform them, but I do kind of lean towards Megan Camp a little bit. Like, I didn't mind both of them, but it's also not their best work either. I think part of the problem is the characters of Shoma and Kiriko themselves to an extent. Mm -hmm. Because we've mentioned this several times. They are so goddamn lovey-dovey and PDA-making out all the time that fucking Matayoshi calls them out and gets so mad about it all the time. The two of them are so fucking sickeningly sweet and cute like that that it actually comes off in the wrong way to me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not cute. It's not adorable. It's like, I suddenly feel like I'm Matayoshi. And it's like, are you fucking serious? Get a room. I don't know if that was the whole point. That's the thing. That could be a whole direction that they decided to go with, and that made them purposefully like that. It is very possible that that was the case. I think it didn't quite stick, the landing on that one, but I will agree with Megan that when Shoma suddenly becomes a fucking penguin, Todd just goes full fucking, maybe almost Caro from Sergeant Frog, actually. Full fucking Sergeant Frog. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was like. He, he kind of sounded like Kerodo at that point. Yes! And that was where I think Todd really sticks the landing a bit more, is when Shoma suddenly becomes more of a comedic character, rather than this sickly sweet Romeo. And, and that's where, for Todd, I think where it works too. But again, as human Shoma, and then we have Jeremy as Kiriko, I think part of it is the whiplash halfway through when we lose Koichi and Kyoko as the main characters and it shifts to these two as replacements. They're not good replacements, first of all, in terms of characters in this show, but some of the dialogue and everything, and I think, I don't know if the whole sickingly sweet, cutesy, adorable, like, PDA shit, I feel like that was potentially a directional choice for the two of them. Because of that, with that in my brain, I don't know if it stuck the landing as well, but it made me, like, fucking side with Matayoshi every time he f put up a gripe about it. <laughs> Which, maybe that was the point, and if that was the case, then okay, I'm fine with that. These two are stupid, obnoxious, and PDA fucking hornballs. It's like, I don't know. But, um, this is not the strongest work from Todd or Jeremy, not even by a long shot. Though, I, again, I have to give credit to Todd for <laughs> Penguin Shoma, because that was where he fucking shined throughout the whole show, was when he was a goddamn penguin. That was the crowning moment for Todd right there. Um, but no, this is not the strongest for me from either performance, honestly. Does the show ever really explain just why or how he turned into a penguin? Because it's weird, because apparently- No, he... it's because he apparently absorbed a bunch of her high arrow energy. Yeah. Or some bullshit, like- 
let's be real, the, the serious plot of the show makes no sense and there's no point in actually trying to critique it. No, like, you, you shouldn't even fucking try. Like, I'll talk about it in Final Thoughts, but the more you think about it, the more you realize that this show is a parody that some people probably took seriously in the industry. The weird thing is that at the last episode, Henry fixes him by injecting him with more high arrow energy, which is... That's what's confusing. It's like, why did you inject him with fucking more of that? Truly counter logic. It's the last episode. Okay, we'll do it live. Hold on. To be fair, I'm going to attempt to throw fucking logic in here, and it's going to be some horse shit. The high arrow particles that the penguins have are actually technically Ritz's, so I don't know if it's her, like, high arrow particles for penguins does some crazy shit and make people human again? I don't know. That's my random fucking logic thrown in. I know it's bullshit and I shouldn't be throwing logic at this fucking show, but this is my attempt. <laughs> Anyway. Now, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that you two hate these two characters so much because they're... I don't hate them so much, but they're not my favorite. I don't hate them, but I hate the way that they're used. Right. I see. Uh, because... Let's be real. I only like one lead in this show, and that's mostly because I'm sorry for her. Right. Again, I said this when I was starting out. Like, all four of these leads are awful. Yeah. They're awful they're, characters. Pr they're problematic. It's not even beyond that they're problematic. They're also, they just also suck. Yeah. Like they're also just badly written. I, I can't root for any of these leads like at all. Maybe, maybe Kyoko, but that's it. Like I said, I'd rather, I'd rather root for Ritz for a reason. Yes. I'd rather root for Ritz in the Penguin Emperor. Like all four of these characters are fucking unlikable. I, that's a huge problem with the show itself. As far as performance goes, this is pretty standard Todd and Jeremy Fair. I mean, how many times have they played off each other in the past? Um, see, I kind of got a different opinion of their relationship because it's like night and day difference between Koichi and Kyoko, which is a toxic relationship, to theirs, which is an overly innocent, but just it's a consensual, completely healthy relationship to the extreme. They're sweet to each other, but they need to... It's almost like it's oversaturated. I, I had to say something. I feel like it's the oversaturation that's the problem I have with it. I know it's it's punched up for more like comedic effects, and I understand that. Because I wouldn't say Shoma is a simp. He is a perfectly decent person who's just supportive of his girlfriend. He tries to be respectful. I will give Shoma that. Yeah, and he's loyal to her even when... Yes. His teacher seduce, tries to seduce him, which is another Yes! <laughs> Why have those bee stings when you could have the entire hive? We we dropped talking about the teacher from the discussion. Um, but can I just say this? You said like the difference between the two pairs is night and day, Hardy. Fucking the performance for the teacher ended up being fucking night and day too. Because she gets pissed off at Koichi in the beginning and all this shit. But the first conversation she fucking has with Shoma, she's like throwing out the fucking boobs and is like, here, why don't you have these instead? Break up with your girl. You're, you're going to get me in trouble here. You're going to MIT. Now touch these boobs. Yes. yes. I'm like, what the fuck happened? I'm like, she's into straight A students, I guess. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, uh, this show is very weird. But I think, yeah, there was night and day difference between their performance and Koichi and Kyoko. So, um... Speaking of Koichi and Kyoko, let's get straight into it. Let's start with Kyoko. Her reason for joining the Prince Beauty Salon is she wants revenge on the Penguin Empire because the penguins did a little happy dance and caused him to go into a coma. And she tries to feed him bananas and he has like PTSD for seeing their front tails. So she vows revenge for that. And she hunts down Koichi Marambashi. He's a molester. 
Yeah. yeah, he is an he is a high school student. Actually, I think he's been held back a grade already. I don't think that was confirmed, but they were they were about to hold him back a grade. I remember that. Yeah, part. well, he, he's actually the underclassman for Shoma and Kiriko, but it's implied that he's older than the, both of them. But the first thing our hero does is grope his teacher and then proceed to flip the skirts of five girls simultaneously, which... Including Kiriko, actually. Yeah, I realized that. She was the one on the far left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I realized that after watching it the second time. But yeah. No, Kyoko recruits him because he is known as a factor. He's capable of outputting massive amounts of uh, HRO particles which allows him to pilot Diamond Dollar and also gives him super strength and stuff. Um, the only way that he can create these uh, particles is by groping boobs. Doesn't matter whose, but he prefers Kyoko's. And so his entire shtick, his entire joke, is that he forces himself upon Kyoko and gropes her and uses the power to defeat the penguin robots. I fucking hate this character. Yeah, he sucks. And instead of getting his comeuppance, he is praised and rewarded for it. Constantly rewarded. And what makes it worse is while Kyoko understandably feels very uncomfortable helping him, she gradually falls in love with him over the course of the series. Oh, fuck this shit. You can tell that this was from 2015 and not made today. Oh, what are you talking about? We have a currently airing show that literally has a pedophile get reincarnated and he ends up with a harem, so... No, Jobless actually is a really interesting show with a main character that you want to punt into the sun. <laughs> Literally, Jobless Reincarnation would be better if every woman was the lead in that show instead of Rudy. Sorry, Madeline. And Ben. Sorry, Maddie and, and Ben. ben. <laughs> but anyways, playing our two lead roles, playing Koichi, we have Matthew Mercer. Playing Kyoko, we have Emily Neves. All right, so we've all been holding in our feelings about these two. Megan, start us off. Oh, God, where do I begin? I'm going to talk about Emily as Kyoko because god damn it do I feel so sorry for this girl. Emily plays her about as best as you can playing this character, which is really good, but every time I'm like, thank god I'm not an actor for this show because I'd sit staring at Cliff going, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> the entire time. I feel so bad for her and like Emily plays her with this level of this is my fucking job. This is my fucking job. This is my fucking job. Oh god, I'm falling for him. What the fuck? Like, I think to me the worst part of the show is when the other girls there say, oh come on, you know girls like bad boys. And I'm just like, bad boys implies like, okay, maybe he drinks and smokes, not he molests me. Like, when I think of girls want a bad boy, I think of like, Kiyosoma. Like, a project. Or maybe to an extent, Hatsuharu. Or Jotaro Kujo? Yeah, Jotaro respects women. No, does not respect women. Jotaro does not respect women. He calls Josuke respects women. There it is. Josuke, not Jotaro. Josuke respects his mama, which is good. Listen, if you're going to date the Joestars, you're going to date Josuke because he respects women. Yes. And two, he isn't going to cheat on you like his dad. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Joseph Joestar, we need you to take a seat. <laughs> <laughs> this is an intervention. No, and, and like, I think that Emily gets a lot of pathos in her performance out for Kyoko. You genuinely are like, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, girl. I'm sorry you're stuck in Horny in the Franks. Just a more awful Horny in the Franks. Like, literally, I feel so bad for her because when What's-His-Nuts comes back, when Koichi comes back, he's literally got her in a torture device. 
And let's talk about Matt as as Koichi. Fucking hell. Matt, how the fuck does Matt Mercer keep up ending in like bad Funimation shows? First Brothers Conflict, now this. Listen, I will take Brothers Conflict over Dime a Dollar any fucking day. Thank you. And that's saying something. That's saying something. Christ. 13 ladies came out of a girl's snatch like it was a clown car in that show. <laughs> <laughs> It's the take on me video, but it's all the brothers. Just no, no, they all didn't come out at once, Hardy. I know you were the gremlin for that, but just imagine her like on the delivery table, like feet in the stirrups, and they're like push, push, and then all of a sudden you hear Aha's take on me coming out, and you're like, what the hell is that coming from? And all the little kids walk out of the vagina like doing that. Oh my god. Oh my god. And now Hardy's kid again. <laughs> and me too. Great. I am so sorry. No, you're not. I'm not sorry at all. I was about to say, you're not fucking sorry. Absolutely not. The only person I feel sorry for is our editor who's got to pick the Patreon clip and Beth who helps us out with all of the uh, best of stuff because you're going to have to have a hard time finding it from this. But Matt plays Koichi as the hot-blooded shonen protagonist. I'm kind of happy he did that and didn't make him sound like a creeper because Koichi literally looks like he gets in fights for cigarettes. Like, that man looks like he goes to the underground to get his titty mag. He is very Go Nagai inspired. Yeah, except for with none of the- Can you say Go Nagai has charm? (laughs) Can you? I don't know. I'm pretty sure a Gona guy, Amon's gonna smack me for that. (laughs) I mean, Jet's gonna kill you, and now Amon's gonna smack you. You're on a roll today. Okay, Jet's gonna threaten me with a gift, but Amon's just gonna look at me like he's disappointed in me, and that hurts me way more. When when Amon's disappointed in you, it hurts. It's like seeing Jim Henson frown. Yes! (laughs) 100%, it's like if Jim Henson frowns. (laughs) But disappointing Jet is like like disappointing LeVar Burton, though. (laughs) You don't want to do it to either of them. And I guess upsetting Roots is like pissing off Bob Ross. Anyway, I think Matt does a really good job. I think Emily does a really good job. I just wish Matt makes it a little bit more tolerable, but it's really hard. It's hard to talk about the performance of this and not talk about his character. Because his character is deplorable. And like, Emily got pathos out of me, but Matt got giggles. Like, I'm not gonna say I didn't laugh at some of Matt's delivery and stuff. I hate this character, but like Hardy said, I laugh, but I hate myself. <sighs> like I said in the last section, these four characters are fucking awful. I'm gonna get Emily out of the way first. Would you believe me when I say that back in the day when the cast list for Diamond Dollar was released, I had no fucking clue who Emily Neves was, and this is how I got introduced to her. Unfortunately. (sighs) And then you have Matt, who I think at the time was coming off of season one of Titan. So at that point, we already knew who Matt was. But, um, first of all, I'm gonna give Cliff kudos for making the main two characters, for bringing in two actors that, um, are from different areas and not the immediate Dallas area. Like, Cliff will bring in people from other parts of, of the country. Um, this is an early, very, very early directing one re- represents that. Because Matt's LA, and again, I think Emily at the time was Houston. I could be dead wrong, though. 
So there's that. Emily as Kyoko. I feel so bad for this character. I feel so bad for Kyoko. She's doing her best. Granted, she has probably the silliest of motivations for joining Hair Salon Prince, but you gotta give her something, I guess. I just love the part where she tries to feed her dad a banana and he just starts freaking yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. I think the dad was Brandon Potter, maybe? Yeah, that was definitely Brandon Potter. Um, Emily does her best. Emily gives a good performance as Kyoko. I just feel so terribly bad for this character. I think my favorite part of Emily's performance as Kyoko has nothing to do with any of her interactions with Koichi. It's her interactions with Henry. Her interactions with Ian Sinclair's Henry in, uh, I think it was episode four. I think that's where Emily really got to shine. And I really loved her in that episode because it's like the whole episode kind of played on the trope of mysterious person turns out to be an enemy, but you kind of fall for that person, but now you have to fight that person. That kind of trope that you've seen several times before, probably at this point. But um, it actually gave Emily much more to work with with Kyoko's character and it made me feel for her a lot more with her like wanton love and desires and stuff like that and it just made her seem more approachable and more empathetic I think but oh god I love I love Emily I am sorry that Kyoko was an awful character but an even worse character I'm gonna say this Matthew Mercer is a delight as Koichi Matthew Mercer as Koichi was fun it was actually a good performance. Because it's a different kind of voice, first of all, than what we normally hear Matt portrayed as. Because Matt Mercer characters are usually are like the tough, like, brooding hero or some horse shit like that. Like a Jotaro Kujo or a fucking Levi Ackerman. But this is not a brooding character. This is a straight-up pervert. And I think Matt at least had fun with the performance. Because it was just so out there and like the dialogue was punchy and he had some fun one-liners. He had the line I said earlier about um, the flick of the wrist, he tickled the tip of her tit. Like that's a tongue twister all in of itself, so kudos on Matt for getting that. But again, we can't talk about the performance without talking about the character. The character of Koichi is fucking the worst. He's an awful human being. He's an awful human being who is sick and perverted and gets his rocks off by getting free titty grabs. And it's just, I hate this character. I hate Koichi as a character. <laughs> and I understand this is very likely like a parody of some shit in the genre like this, but this is an awful way to do it. <laughs> But Matt's performance, I, I didn't mind it. The fact that I hate Koichi as a character even more. It's one of those things where it's like, I hate this character so much, but it, I also have to give credit to Matt for making me hate this character so much, which means he did good. <laughs> In my eyes, Matt did good by making me hate this fucking character. Like, Koichi's not a likable character at all. So credit to Matt Mercer on this one for making me hate this character. You're done good, sir. I'm done. Koichi is if you took someone like Master Roshi or Minoru Mineta and gave them a mech. Yeah, he really is. And then instead of getting his comeuppance like he's supposed to, he's rewarded and praised for his efforts. So and this kind of humor has been around in anime for a long time. This is absolutely nothing new. Yes, grope the girl's boobies. Hee <laughs> hee, it's fun. 
I mean, even Love Live has been guilty of that with Nozomi. Oh, yeah, like, washy-washy. I don't like that there either, so don't think that we're just... It's funny when it's girl and girl. No, it's it's still bad, actually. It's probably worse. Right. Molesting characters is not okay. Never has been, never will be in any genre or from a media. It's not okay. Yeah, it's not as prevalent as in something like Diamond Dollar, but it's still like a trope that it needs to be... Um, it needs to die. <laughs> it needs to be, yeah, it needs to be retired. It needs to die. I think shows have come out since then, like Prison School and Shimonetta, and I think most recently, like Hinsky and, um, and Super Etch Eros have been a lot better in those regards. I am completely okay with fan service shows. I mean, Seki Ray is one of my all-time favorites, but um, it's got to be done right. Yeah, like, people were surprised when I said, oh, yeah, I really like Gleepner. They're like, wow, that's not a show that I'd expect you to like. Y'all know I like Shimonetta and that I think it's, like, one of my favorite comedy anime. No, yeah, I, I did like it. The story of Gleepner itself was fucking left off at a... I'm so mad that there's not a fucking second season of that show. I told Andrew, I'm like, you're going to hate how the show ends. but Yeah, because aren't you also a big fan of Strike Witches, Megan? Yes, I am. Which I wish there was a little less nudity in that show. Mostly because some of them look like little girls. But as far as given the material is concerned, I think the writing team and the directing team did the best they could. And they had as much fun with it as they could. And I think that Matthew and Emily given the material, brought their A-game. Because this is, Emily's kind of used to this sort of thing. She's been in a lot of other horny shows as well, like recently Super Eight Zeros and Hensky. So she's not- I haven't seen either of those, so I have no point of reference. I know Emily is little fucking airy and also um, Kakarillo. So <laughs> I, I, I can't. They posted a Hensky clip with Emily and I fucking choked. <laughs> I was free beaving it! <laughs> but anyways, no, I think... And that's going to go into my final thoughts, really, is that um, this show is not going to win any awards. It's it's pretty deplorable. It's, it's like my thoughts with Peter Grill recently, is that it's a bunch of horrible people doing really horrible things for your amusement. It's like an anime version of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where you're not expecting to root for anyone. You just want to see how horrible they're going to mess things up. And there's a sort of black humor in that. And uh, you take that dark humor and you fill it with, uh, with ass and titties and panty shots, and there you go. It is what it is. It is a guilty pleasure. Um, it's not my favorite guilty pleasure, but I did end up giving it my Dub of the Year award in 2015 of our very first dubbies for the home video. Because I had such a fun time with it, despite... And my opinions of it have changed in the past six years. I realize now how, how very problematic it really is. But you'll hate yourself, but you'll laugh. That is my entire MO on that. And I don't regret watching it. Would I recommend it to anyone else? Maybe, because there are worse shows, in my opinion. It's not Freezing. Oh, dear God. I hate that show. Freezing goes into actual torture porn, and I just do not Oh, care wonderful. It. Okay, yeah. Good to know. But anyways, those are my final thoughts on it. So, ladies, if you would like to chime in as well. I posted an image in our group chat, and it just says, Inappropriate horniness, 10 bongs. <laughs> I love the horny bonk dog. Uh, so great. overall, I think the dub is is good. This is a dub that is held by the weight of its script that works from fast-paced acting and good comedy. 
if that's what you're into it for a dub, I, I would recommend watching it. If you were someone like me who does not like a lot of etchy anime because etchy doesn't work for me unless it's clearly equally wanted on both sides. Like, for as much as people like to meme it, and I'm sorry, I'm probably going to start things. I actually liked Interspecies Reviewers because it was very consensual and there was very few things that weren't. And the stuff that wasn't, I easily could call out and say, okay, that's going too far. This, there's none of that. It's clear Kyoko doesn't want to do it, but she's doing it because she has to. Like, honestly, the only person who's really consenting to a lot of this is Ritz. And, like, it's still weird because there's, like, a level of weird familial incestiness. Remember, boys and girls, consent is sexy. Yes, pretty much. But the thing is that this is supposed to be a parody of mech anime. Because you know that a lot of mech anime, like, going back to the beginning of time is very much- It's very much more on the level of Kiriko and Shoma, where it's, like, lovey-dovey kissing stuff and not just, like, Okay, I'm gonna get shit for this. But it's, like, the whole thing that what's his- What's his nuts? The Gundam guy. Oh, you mean the director for Gundam. Oh, what is his name? Tomino. Oh, oh. Tomino. Yeah, Tomino. Yeah. Tomino. That fucker. <laughs> I know nothing about Gundam, so... Just the phrase of Bacon saying those last three words. Tomino. <laughs> Hi, Getter. Hi, Prof. Hi, N1. If you knew anything about Tomino, that phrase would make you crack up, honestly. Well, no. Remember when Tomino was complaining about uh, Shinkai movies about how it's all about holding hands and they never have sex? This is that. This is supposed to be a parody of that. But here's the thing. I don't think it works. Because you want to know what show I was thinking about that this was parodying, but I realized it couldn't be a parody of it because it was years too early? Dialing in the Franks. Because there's even one part where Sex and Kyoko are talking about the two birds flying together. And literally the first thing in Dialing in the Franks is about the bird that couldn't fly without a partner. Oh my god. This doesn't even work as a parody because somebody probably looked at this and thought they were being serious and made Franks. Oh my god. It Franks is awful. <laughs> like, Hardy, start doing the song. Just start doing the song. Stop. <laughs> oh my god. Like, this doesn't work as a parody for me because it's just half of it's trying to play it straight and then the other half is like you've made characters that are so deplorable that it doesn't work like this show isn't very fun and honestly the back half of it i gave the show a two and that's being generous anyway just you could watch a lot better etchy than this <laughs> oh that leaves me doesn't it fuck um this is not my cup of tea in terms of the show i don't like shit like this like, what the fuck am I supposed to say about this show? Let me ask you this, Stephanie. If we hadn't asked you to watch it, would you have chosen to watch it? Probably. Honestly, I probably would have watched it. Probably just to, like, riff on it, if anything. Like we did for, like, New Year's Eve when we watched the first episode. 100% just to riff on it. And then I still would have hated myself at the end. <laughs> but, um, by far this show is not gonna be for everyone. Not on your life. It tries so many things, and it tries it tries to do parody and satire. It tries to be, like, 
over the top. It tries to do a lot of things, but the show itself doesn't stick the landing. The main four characters are probably some of the most unlikable characters I've ever fucking seen in my life. Save for maybe Kyoko, because I just feel bad for her. Um, just the whole show and the concept of the show is just god-awful. But that being said, the dub itself is better than the show fucking deserves. Okay. It is... It is a thing we needed but didn't fucking deserve. The, the dub makes the show much more tolerable, even though a lot of the over-sexualization, all, all this etchy-related stuff can get overdone. Um, the directing is great. I love the directing. And if anything, it gives us very, very early on some of Cliff's normal processes and how he works on different shows that he directs, which is great. It's a very good early start for him as a solo director. Um, the writing 100% carries the show. Like, it is some of the funniest shit I have ever seen, and it borderlines gag dub, which is fine. It actually makes the show more tolerable that way. The performances are great. They're very punchy. The comedic timing is there. I really, really do like the dub and what was done here. The show itself is god-awful, but the dub is great. As Hardy will always say, you will hate yourself. But you will fucking laugh. Okay, that's it. <laughs> I'm done. Please, please, the show is- Oh god, it's garbage. But for April Fool's Day, it's totally worth sitting here with you guys and talking about it. I'm gonna say that. Alright, so, with that out of the mind, let's uh, thank our wonderful patrons for helping to make this happen. For our $5 tier, we have Megan's Mom and Dad, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin but with Yowie Hands, Sue, how do you spell that? How do you pronounce that? Tweet? Sue Tweety? Sue Twet? Uh, get back with us, Sue. Let us know how to pronounce that properly. Yes, please. And Victor May Barada. For our $10 tier, we have Carly Leistica, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J2 aka Jared, Julia W, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Hey, Hardy, if the people actually want to put themselves through Dime a Dollar, where can they watch it? <laughs> Oh, yes, you can watch Dime a Dollar, the English dub, on Funimation.com as part of their Funimation Now service. Uh, they do offer a free two-week trial, which, which you will need to put your credit card info in for. Uh, if you decide you don't want to keep it, you will have to cancel your account. But odds are you'll be so busy watching over the plethora of brand new anime and new English dubs dropping every single day. Day. They are on a roll with ketchup since the fucking pandemic started, by the way. If you would like to watch uh, Dime a Dollar, you can watch it on Funimation now, or you could buy the Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Uh, I think it has now reached a uh, Essentials, which is uh, the cheap version. You can get it for like less than 20 bucks if provided it's in stock. The one that's streaming on Funimation does have the uncut version, which means you get the full boobs and everything. Just saying. So if you're interested in anything that we do, hello, we are Dub Talk. We talk about shit on the regular. If you are currently watching the episode on YouTube, um, please subscribe. That'd be fucking fantastic. If you are currently listening to us on the go, whether it is through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Podbean, please follow us there. Maybe like the episode so we know that you watched it. Um, that'd be awesome. If you want to keep following us for any other nonsense and horseshit that we get up to, we do have a Twitter account uh, at Dubtalk Podcast. We have Instagram and Tumblr both dead. We also have our Twitch account, which we are actually planning on doing shit with it finally. 
Um, Megan. Come watch Megan get lost. You can come watch Megan play, I think, Pokemon Sword on, what is it, Wednesdays? Yeah, Wednesdays I play Pokemon Sword from 7pm to 9pm EST. And on Sundays I will be playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 from 4pm to 7pm Eastern Standard Time. Uh, unless I'm recording that night, then I won't be playing at all because I'm probably getting ready to record slash watching the show. And when is the first day you're actually going to start streaming? So people can come by. Uh, the first day I should start is April 4th. But yeah, Megan's going to kick it off. And I know a few other um, hosts have been talking about maybe like doing a stream like on one day a week or something like that with various games. So no, I'm not doing a Nuzlocke for Pokemon before anybody asks. Because <laughs> I mentioned to the group maybe doing my own of Daganropa. I just got to get my computer situation sorted out. And there's been talks of like a couple other hosts doing their own streams. Um, but we're actually doing shit with that. Um, and then if you want to support us in a completely different manner, we have our Kofi account at Dub Talk Podcast, um, where you can do little one-time donations, buy us a coffee, help us out. And then if you really want to support us, uh, we have our Patreon, uh, to which Hardy already read the names of our wonderful patrons that support us every month. At the time of this episode's release, I will say that for our $10 patrons, the next quarterly episode raffle giveaway should be kicking in very, very soon. So if you are currently a $10 patron, please be on the lookout for that. Our last one, because it will be released before this, was actually Arte. So if you want to see what we usually do with our quarterly Patreon raffles, check out Arte. It's an example of one of those. I think that's it in terms of the dub talk stuff. Okay. So, unless you want me to just go into my shit. Yeah, go ahead. Alright, since I'm already fucking here, if you're interested in anything that I do, my name is Stephanie. I'm also sometimes known as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at LilacAnimeReview, with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I have a blog, lifeandtimesoftalk.wordpress.com, which I am so close to finally finishing my blog piece about my fucking anime children. I need to rewatch one goddamn show for one child, and that's it. I also do photography stuff, Stephanie Slapshot Garden, if people are interested in following my photography work over there. I think that's it for me. Megan, what you doing these days? Besides your Twitch. Besides using our Twitch to watch. To convert all of you to the Church of Nia. <laughs> You're all going to learn very quickly who Megan's favorite character is in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, despite naming my dog after another one of them. I didn't name the dog Nia because Nia is a cat. Anyway, you can follow me at QueenAir2. I shitpost. I also troll around the Funimation Discord, usually being a grumpy gills. So there's that. And I'm Spaceman Hardy. You can find me on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. I am a Funimation forum moderator. Uh, forums are dead now, but I'm still occasionally on the Funny Discord. If you want to check me out there, follow me on Twitter. I post lots of goat pictures and retweet lots of Final Fantasy art. And general, every once in a while, I'll have an angry dad rant where I'll talk about Antiplex or uh, insult various aspects of the anime community because it's not perfect but it is what it is when was the last time you did a donkey pants party i'll do one in two minutes as soon as we're done hell yeah we're overdue for donkey pants aren't we yay anyways on behalf of the dub talk podcast this has been fun be sure to keep your front tails clean treasure your arrows and otaku on my friends april fools motherfuckers (laughs) 